And we're live, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Steady Compass. I'm your host, Quez. And boy, am I excited about today's episode. I'm joined here by someone very special in my life who is by far one of the most amazing human beings in the world. His name is Steven Morales. You know him from his work as a master salesman and fortified trader. He's also an extremely talented musician, dancer, and gamer, as seen by some of his highlight reels. We're sitting with one of the most down-to-earth individuals that I have ever met. Stevie, welcome to the show. Hello, everybody. Pleasure to be here. It's a, it's a good one today, and I'll tell a lot of people why. Stevie and I go way back. Stevie's probably like, outside of just immediate neighborhood people that I live next to, is one of the very first friends I ever had. And what's funny with a lot of people don't know is I did not like Stevie when I first met him. We were, I did not think he was a great person. And which may seem odd to immediately follow up based on the intro I gave. The reason was because much like how a lot of humans do, we interpret things at the cover, at the at surface level. And we assume that we have all understanding of a particular being based on what we perceive. And boy, was I dead wrong about Stevie. All it took was him. We were in band class together. All it took was him sitting next to me. And then all of a sudden, the world had uh, met the, its newest dynamic duo. Stevie, I'm pretty excited for this one. I'm actually just going to jump yes, right in. What do you Please. think? What do you think are some of the lessons that you've taken away from, from looking at someone and having a perception of them? Has there ever been a time where you looked at someone and said, oh, I feel this particular way, and then later discovered, wow, like they're actually pretty, pretty miraculous people? Honestly, there has been a few times that has happened, but usually I would say I'm a pretty good judge of character. I can, whenever I talk to somebody, I usually pick up on their mannerisms and just their whole vibe and just talk to them as a person and see how they speak, how they carry themselves, things of that nature. And usually I can tell pretty much off the get go if they are going to vibe with me and if they're a good judge of character. I'm not, I don't try to hold myself as like the best judge of character or even a good character at all. But I do feel like I have a good enough character to believe that I do meet someone just for yourself. Whether even if the first impression on me is the best one, I can still know that you're a good hearted person and know that even if, like I said, the first impression might not be the best over time, definitely it's something that could be worked at and just flourish into something beautiful. It sure. is something that could be worked on. I like the way you said that. I agree that this whole game of life is very much a discovery of self in many ways, where we might think we have certain things about ourselves figured out. And before you know it, something new blossoms from our character. And that might be from experiences that we've had, so on and so forth. I want to circle back to one of the things you said about your ability to judge. When you're judging someone's character, is that another way of saying, I'm feeling their energy? Yeah, definitely. It's just not the energy that I'm used to. So maybe that's the difference between whether I feel like they could be a person that could be in my circle or not, just off of how they carry themselves and the energy they're putting out. Clearly, we all base ourselves off of our upbringing, who our parents were, how they raised us. And I definitely rely heavily on how my parents raised me and how I was taught and how I'm supposed to carry myself, especially in society. And not everybody plays society rules or how they feel like they should carry themselves in society. So for those people that don't always rub me the right way off the get-go, I try to give them a chance. Perfect example, I was in sales and this uh, 
well-off individual. His demeanor was as soon as you walked in the door, hey, boom, I want numbers. Let me speak to your manager. I was just trying to say hi. And he had business on his mind. So he wasn't with the chit chat. He wasn't with the BS. He wanted to come straight to the chase. I'm just trying to be friendly. And like for you to just blow off my friendliness, already not putting out the vibe I like. But at the same time, at the end of the day, I gave him a chance. We took a ride and the vehicle, but he had to go to the bank or something that said extent. He talked to me down to earth, super down to earth guy, but you know, he explained to me, he's like, Hey, listen, I'm business. But at the same time, that's not always who I am. It's just who I have to be in certain circumstances. But as you get to know somebody, you realize, Hey, listen, they're this way for a reason, or they're this way because of the situation, not so much that's who their true nature is. Have you heard this saying from the Japanese that we have three faces? No. So there's this saying where we have a face that we show the world. Right. And this is like who I have to be. We have a face that we show our closest family and friends uh, and they know us in this light. And then we have the face that we only we reveal to ourselves. And that's like in that mirror talk, that deep talk. I like what you said that you took away from this gentleman, which was that I have to adjust how I act based on the situations that I'm in or circumstances that are ahead of me. In this case, this gentleman is trying to, I like what you said, he's cutting the chit chat. He's not with the small talk. I know what I'm here for. I'm trying to buy a motherfucking car. Do not try some nonsense with me. But the moment that the environment changed such that you could connect, suddenly, again, right, that's like that judgment of character of, damn, I was trying to be nice to you. You didn't really feed off of that. Whatever. He had his end goal in mind. So respect to him for knowing what he wanted. You got the chance to review that and uh, maybe even connect with him a little deeper. Was there anything in particular that like from that situation, as you reflect on it now, where you think, oh, maybe I could have done such and such better. If so, what is it? I would say the only thing I could have done better was maybe follow up on the interaction. I wish I would have not made him into a single serving person as most of us do clearly he was coming into the store and he was under the impression that he was going to buy and get him a vehicle he did we got that done we ended up speaking about something outside of vehicles he actually he works for real like a real estate property he actually works for timeshares he doesn't sell the timeshares necessarily but he actually does a like the higher level of it which is your like upgrading the packages i wish i would have followed up on the interaction and maybe even had him as a reference to talk to if i needed some information on something like that because that could have been a foot in the door to something else see i like that and that's because you're looking to get in you've been looking to get into real estate now so this is a lesson you're taking of man that guy could have been a connect but i often mm -hmm. find that it's through these kind of reflections of what could I have done differently? Where was my, what are the things that I can control that we're able to get some insight on what the best move might be so that should that scenario happen once more, you know exactly how you want to cut it as opposed to not really thinking about it all that much. Stevie, do you journal? Damn, I can't say that I do. Not as, not even close to be honest. I'm just going to be very blunt. I don't journal. That's okay. I'd be curious to see, it's not my business, but. I think you are, I think you can be a very reflective person and you just proved it to me because I asked you a very tangent leveled question and you took your time to answer it. And I appreciate that because some people will just go right off the mark, like whatever comes to their head and you did not, you, you took your time to really look into it. So I ask you if you journal because reflecting is like pretty good, bro. 
Tell me how yesterday. So, got my little orange book here. You see the vibes, all right, bro? So in there, I realized that I'm struggling with maintaining focus, and the problem is twofold. Problem number one is I want to be distracted, meaning it's the feeling of escaping, of like not looking at the task ahead or the task at hand, and you know, that's when people will like reach for their phone, right? Like, especially if it's like a desk job kind of deal. If you don't want to, sure. and you don't want to do that data entry shit, you'll look at your phone for a minute or two. These things add up. So it's the, that's the first thing I'm noticing. And then the second thing that led to a really profound reflection, and I'm curious to get your thoughts on this. The second problem is I don't know what to do. I don't know what I should be working on. What is the biggest task at hand? So Number one is distraction, and number two is ignorance, let's call it. And okay. anytime I'm faced with ignorance, I want to unpackage it and understand it in a way that that now that I have a proper context, I can act on it. I now know what to take action on. And it led me down this conversation with myself of five priorities that I have. And I think it was my health, my personal brand, everything that has to do with Quest, everything that has to do with name tag, everything that has mm -hmm. to do with my learning and self-investment, education, et cetera. And these are seemingly, when I think about tasks, things to do, things to spend time on, these are what comes up. Obviously, you know me very well with family and all connecting with people. Like all those things are, I, I look at them as like this kind of overarching thing as opposed to these are things I can control immediately. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it made me think about those five priorities. I want to shift this to you. Can you share with me what your five, maybe even just three, whatever, however you want to slice it, biggest priorities are right now in your life? Keeping connections strong, the ones that I have and the ones I plan on making. Building a future for myself where I'm proud of it. And taking care of myself. Whether that be having a beer after a long day, taking a trip with my best friend, or just just you time. Experience with self. Is that another way you'd put this? Absolutely. I want to touch on that first point on maintaining connections. There's very few people that have what you and I have, and that kind of sounds romantic, but I still love you. It's okay. There's people, there are very few people that have a relationship like you and I where We've known each other for so long. I actually think outside of my brother, you are the only other, you and Mitch and Valentina are probably the only three people that have known me for a long time, like since before anything, really. You guys have seen the change in my yeah. life. How important is it to you to maintain those relationships? And why is it so important to you to maintain these relationships? Unfortunately, I did move around. A lot and I didn't meet new friends and every single time I left an area, I felt I would talk to those friends for a little bit of time. And I feel like we would dissipate because we we're not in each other's everyday life. We didn't go to the same school anymore. We weren't doing the same sports, whatever the case may be. There is selective people like yourself, Kathy, and even some other friends that I've had for some time where I've tried to just hold on to relationship as long as possible. And the life just drifts you away. And there's nothing wrong with that. The life just has a way of doing those things. But it, it does make it hard when you don't see those people every day. So I feel like it's super important to 
doesn't have to be every day, but definitely check in with those people just so you know that even though we don't see each other or talk to each other as much as we used to, it doesn't mean that the, uh, the connection is not there or it doesn't fade in any way. So I think that more than anything, and especially since I feel like we always used to have so many more friends because of band and sports and things like that as a kid. And as you grow up, those numbers start to dwindle with, of course, life takes you different directions. You go to different colleges. People go to military, people go to entrepreneurship, whatever the case may be, you tend to lose those connections and make new ones, of course, but it's not the same as the new connections we're making. We're making more business connections, more connections of you scratch my back, I scratch yours. Let's work together. Let's make something. Not to say that you can't build friendships off those friendships, but usually they're not the same kind of fulfilling friendships as we do because we were basically crafted when we were more pure. Not so much, not tainted, but just busier and occupied with other ulterior motives when you do meet somebody for the first time. Would you say that most new connections will probably have an ulterior motive? Or are you open to the idea that if you can control how you interact with someone, perhaps they will reflect the same kind of intentions you have? I can elaborate if needed. I I feel like... Yes and no. Yes, they will be met with ulterior motives, but only in the circumstance that you're in that situation meeting them with. So I guess just to, to reinstate the question, how much of how we interact with others, the intentions that we set when we make new connections is based in ulterior motives as opposed to whatever the intention may be to make a new connection? I would say about maybe 80, 20 or 70, 30. Me, the uh, higher number people, meeting, higher number meeting, I, need, I want something. Meeting, yeah, you usually want something through that person if you're meeting them. Me personally, I have gone out in the past and whether it be by myself with my significant other and tried to meet other people. The only place I feel like I've found success in that is when me and her are on vacation. We've gone to restaurants went to an event one night and while we were dancing, meet some people, start talking. We started grabbing drinks and dinner together. We flourished into a beautiful conversation. We grabbed numbers, we exchanged socials, all that good stuff. And like I said, those are relationships and those are connections that I made that I still talk to, but I'm just unfortunately they live on the other side of the country. Those are connections that I do talk to. And if I ever go back to that part of the country, I can relink up with those people and pick up where we left off. And those are the kind of connections I'm talking about. I wish they were more, they were deeper, more meaningful instead of that, just like that one time. But I just know that when I do go back to those places, I have people that I can look towards and look to. I think that's a beautiful thing. And that's what I really enjoy about meeting people. Whereas if it's just a, to, to fill a need kind of thing, whereas I'm only meeting that person because my business wants me to meet them or something like that, then maybe not as filling. I, uh, I really resonate with that deeply because in the last two or three weeks, the my work has basically asked me to start making use of my network and connecting with people and getting them to do something. In this case, it was something that's theoretically a net positive for, for them, their followers, whatever. But I, I, bro, I felt so quickly as like I was maybe four or five people in and I was just like, man, this is not what I'm on right now. This is not what I'm trying to be on. Having this salesman energy, like to with people that I want to connect with for other reasons. 
So it's yeah, I want to be tight with you because I really share. Yeah. I fuck with your vision on Web three gaming, right? I fuck with you heavy because I love your art style. That's why I fuck with you. But some other entity, my job in this case, is saying, "Yo, you should win them for the business." And it's my, but my relationships are not transactional. And I think I get a feeling that's what you're experiencing is that you want yeah more relationships to feel less transactional and more meaningful. But I'm going to flip the script on your brother, man. And it's the following. How much of that is in your control? Like you say, you wish they were more meaningful. Are you reaching out? Are you the one engaging with them? Are you sending them a selfie? Do you call them? Do you send, leave them a voicemail letting them know, hey, I thought about you today? I ask this because I believe most humans can take that control of saying, ah, if I want it to be deeper, Ayo, pause. If I want it to be more meaningful, <laughs> then then surely there's some action I can take on my own accord. What do you think? Absolutely. And I feel like it definitely falls back on a deeper issue that I have. That it's not so much an issue, but it's just something I feel like is a weakness of mine, or at least was. I'm still working on it currently. Respect. Uh, but I, I would say talking and the flow of a conversation and of course, you're like, excuse me, you talk great to you, Mopo. To you, I talk great. To people that I know and know me, I feel like I speak well. But when it comes to people that I don't know, I don't know their interests. I don't know their likes. I don't know their mannerisms. And so it's hard to feed off of that. And I don't always know how to flow a conversation very well. And on the backside of that, I also don't want to force the conversation either, which is my main reason why I might not reach out. Not to say it's the stance with everybody, but whenever I feel like I go out, let's say walking down downtown Fort Lauderdale on a Friday night, I'm talking to some people, everybody's having drinks. I'm like, hey, what's up? My name's Steven. Everybody's having a conversation. Let's, if I were to talk, I feel like I wouldn't know how to interject in myself in that situation without making it seem like too awkward or why are you bothering me kind of situation. Because if I am by myself or if I am with my partner, it, it just, how do you, how does one invite yourself into either a group or just one person? Because most people don't go out alone nowadays. Most people already go out with a group and they, they got a pre notion group. Exactly. So for their clicks of two to three people having conversations, they all know each other. They all know each other's And why invite anybody else? I hear that. I do hear that. I also still, regardless, disagree with your viewpoint that you don't talk well to strangers one of my favorite memories of us is we were in the pub one day and we were sitting at the one of the corner spots of it and you were on the right corner and then i was like more inward and then there was a gentleman basically so here's the corner you were sitting here and the gentleman was sitting there so we're both facing this guy basically and he was an older gentleman bro and i was just like watching you talk this guy up like Perhaps he just made it easy. Maybe he enjoyed conversation, but you look like you were doing it effortlessly. And I say this because something that people don't know about you, unless they, if you know, you know, Stevie's a great listener. And I find it ironic that you, I'm not going to say worry, but maybe think a bit about, oh man, I don't know if I know their interests or I don't know. Bro, if you just sit there and listen, you'll probably figure it out. <laughs> and because you have the patience to do that, which uh, I applaud tremendously. So I don't know if I agree totally, but I would argue that the notion of, oh man, I'm going to interject in a conversation and people aren't going to want that. You know what I tell myself in these situations? It doesn't matter. Like it's all meaningless 
nothing matters. It's not that deep. That's like, like literally some time ago, I had been invited out. And you know me, I don't really leave the house all too often anymore. But I got invited out. So I was like, all right, fuck it. So we went out, we went to Blue down there in the Mercado. Nice little vibe, whatever. One thirty, And I specifically remember, this is like after the story I'm going to tell you. But like at one thirty a.m., I'm looking at my watch like, could have been playing. Just I could be playing God of War. I was still playing God of War at that time. And I was like, nice. I'm here. I'm at the bar when I need to be at the house. So that was a just a funny instance. But that same night, bro, there was like mad honeys out. And, you know, as a, yeah, I'm a single man and yes, just out here trying to shoot my shot here and there. I don't yeah. give a fuck if I miss. I got nothing, to, really nothing to lose. So, and any, bro, and I'm telling you, there's just something liberating about any time I would overthink, oh my God, what am I going to say? I would just, I would literally utter to myself, it doesn't matter. Nothing matters. Just do what the fuck you want. I don't know. I use the word liberating in the sense that it takes this weight that we often throw on ourselves of our worries, our fears, the things that give us anxiety, our perceptions, our assumptions, like all these things that are naturally part of our minds that they, that, and they happen. You probably, you, I'm sure you know this feeling. It just, it pops up in like two seconds. And their first thought is, wow, that person looks pretty cool. Maybe I should go say hi to them. And then immediately after, ah, but and then fill in the blank. I'm telling you, the moment that ah, but comes around, it's just a matter of, nah, it doesn't fucking matter. It just doesn't matter. I'm going to go. And I challenge you to take that away moving forward and just saying, fuck it. <laughs> hey, amen. Honestly, that's a fantastic way of thinking about it. Simple, better than, easier said than done. Max. I definitely do feel like I have some a touch of social anxiety. Just meeting new people, it's always awkward. I'm just like, he just, I don't know. But clearly, I would only talk about the situation. I would only talk about just what's going on. I just, just you have to make the whole situation like very light and fun. And it, it just, it's, it's a delicate situation, at least meeting new people. Or at least it doesn't have to be, but I feel like it is. You'd be surprised. These days, I'm not really into the small talk. So... My conversations will go from, hey, how are you? Pleasure to meet you. And then I just ask, so tell me about your biggest dreams. What are your regrets? Nice. What the fuck is this guy asking me at the bar, bro? Who are you? But I find, I found that the more people I do that with, like the more folks are open to connecting with you. Like everyone does small talk, everybody. So when you get someone that just ask like interesting stuff, or at least is willing to bring up an interesting conversation or dynamic to a conversation i found that people have been very receptive to it oh only here and there has it not been fruitful and by fruitful it's more like they just say some bullshit because they don't want to have that conversation and which is fine right that's these are the things that we can keep in our control of oh, if they don't want to speak with me that's different but at least i tried at least i attempted to make the conversation and i did it in a way true. that was true to me i would argue that the social anxiety you feel may be because you're looking to be a version of Stevie that maybe isn't you or this character of Stevie as opposed to just Stevie, like the fucking guy, bro. Nice. In my humble opinion, I want to get back to, you mentioned your three biggest goals, your three biggest priorities. Number one was maintaining the connections around you. Uh, and the second one, it wasn't just about financial freedom. Was it the third one was to take care of yourself and investing in yourself. Uh, even just rewarding yourself for a good, like, 
oh, the actions. Just, uh, the second one was setting up my future and being proud of it. Setting up the future. I guess I interpreted that as financial freedom in a way. Well, essentially. It's a big part of it. It's a big part of the whole game. Amen. What are some of the mistakes you've made that because you've experienced it, you know how to move? Double check, triple check your research and do your own research and double check the research on top of that. Give me, give me an example. Your own, let's, let's say like the other day I was making a trade and I was going off of the projections of pretty much not only what I'm seeing through the different indicators and what I'm looking at, but at the same time, but there's also different charts on there where you can also see other people trading on top of seeing my own signals. I'm seeing other people trade at this time. And as soon as the market opens, you're trying to create some liquidity for the new trades that are going to be coming in. So you're supposed to be dumping a bunch of shit. People can have enough room to buy. So I'm going off this information and this is coming from blogs, books, the things the people telling me and like other people going in into it. And then of course you have an indicator saying, oh, this person are trading the X amount. So I'm having all these things to go in and clearly I feel like there's like an oversimplified version of sure. this lesson. But yeah, I'm making the trade. I have all the signs that are telling me to go, but something is missing, some piece of information that I'm not, like I'm overlooking or I'm just not seeing because I'm too focused on what's in front of me to look deeper. And so I lost that trade. When you say you lost that, is, is that saying that you put up a certain amount with the expectation that a particular outcome was gonna happen and then it didn't happen? Pretty much. And the kind of trading you're involved in is what? Forex, stocks? I had started out with Forex. We originally, I did stocks for a little bit, but Forex is definitely like my main go-to right now. And then I'm just trying to teach myself through courses, free courses, of course, but courses nonetheless, YouTube videos and things like that about options trading. So that's like my next thing I'm going to be tackling. But for right now, I'm just doing some Forex trading. It's, and it's just trading of currencies. Right. Against other currencies. Now, you mentioned something, right, about your resources and looking for resources, even if they are free. You see, this is this kind of thing in particular is self-investment. It's education of self. It's being able to take experience from other people and apply it in a way that you think would, would best fit your strategies. How important is it to you to remain educated, even if that doesn't mean going to school? versus watching a YouTube video versus learning how to cook in a class and doing take one, whatever the fuck. How important is self-investment education to you? It's super important whether you feel like you're a master in your craft. I feel like, especially with technology ever evolving and people try to involve technology in everything and just make whatever they're doing more efficient. There's always a new way or a new thing that's going to be coming into your profession. So for you to think whether it's just in regards to your profession or your hobby that you feel like you've been in for a long enough time, there's always going to be someone that's starting it and doing it better and is going to be doing things newer, more efficient in a better way. So there's always on the stuff that you already know, there's always more ways that you can learn and better opportunities for improvement, let alone more things that you want to learn, whether it be a hobby, an interest or whatever the case might be, because I could buy a camera tomorrow want to take some pictures, but if you really like it and enjoy what you do, maybe you start getting different types of cameras, different types of lenses, doing the research, talking to people. 
but it just depends on your level of interest. What do you think about being a jack of all trade, yet a master of none? Uh, that is, it could be a good and a bad thing because it's like a Swiss army knife. Like those, the, the knives, the, if it's a proper Swiss army knife, sure, I never actually own one, but I'd say the rinky-dink ones that they sell at the stores, those knives in there are not the sharpest. You can make them sharp, but they aren't the sharpest. You do have something that has a tool for a corkscrew, a screwdriver, a Phillips head, a knife. It can cut something. Is it the best? No, but it is useful because you can use it in many ways. But having that expertise, having that mastery in something will take you a lot farther than jack of all trade. Do you care to be an expert in anything? If so, what? I love finance, man. I love money. Would love to be better with my money, be smarter with my money. Even as a kid, I collected money. I put it in jars. I wanted to save money. I wanted to have money. I didn't spend money. I just always liked being around money, having money, having something in my pocket. I've always had an interest in it. When kids were, anytime somebody would get 20 bucks, they'd go to the store, buy some candy, or the case may be. But I always like, just put my money away. And whether it be for saving for a bigger item or just just saving it for the heck of it, uh, I didn't feel like always, like all the kids had that same mindset. I just, I feel like I would have, I would have liked to be a little bit more of a master in finance and just how to use my money to make more money. What do you think it takes to be a master, particularly with finance? What are the elements that, I'm not going to say that you're missing, but maybe you're already working on. I feel like, I don't know if, I'm not too sure where it originated from, but I was once told that I think it's like 10,000 hours in anything makes you proficient or makes you a professional or a master in that skill. So That's right. I would definitely say at the beginning, at least 10,000 hours doing, practicing, or studying some type of finance to become a master in it for sure. But the, I would say the thing that I'm maybe missing is either the, the tools or the know-how, either the tools on where to get this information or just the know on how to make it efficient for me. Because I can learn the information, but how is it going to be proficient to me? Because actually you can learn anything about anything, but it's just not maybe the specific information you might need. It, like, how is it applicable to my life then? It's one thing if I'm exactly. learning, if I'm learning how to put together a boat or something like that, but I live in the middle of Dakota, chances are like, what am I, what am I getting that knowledge for? What am I using it for? I agree with that. And I think that's awfully perceptive. There's so much information in the world, half of which we don't even know is legit or not. That's like a problem within itself, but so much already to consume that we should be a little picky about what we want to learn. Be open to everything. Be open. All knowledge is good. As much knowledge is good. And the more you learn, the more you realize how little you know. But I really share your sentiment there about picking up particular pieces of info, especially things that you could apply in your life or in your strategies, et cetera. Just a side question, because I, I just because I can't see your face, I hear you crunching on something. What are you crunching on? I'm actually not crunching on anything. Oh, so that was just stepping. All right, that was some stepping. Yeah. Sorry. No, you could keep it. Okay. I, it, was, it did no, sound I, like I, it a little bit, though. I'm not going to lie. Okay. My follow-up question was, what do you think about economics? Like, I, I was recently recommended picking, like, anyone, any human should learn macro macroeconomics 101, microeconomics 101. What do you think about this? I think it's true. I actually took, was it macro? I think it was, I think it was macroeconomics or microeconomics. I think it was microeconomics. I took it in junior year. 
sophomore, junior year of high school. And then I took the other class in one of my first courses in college when I did go. Yeah, those were vastly helpful, especially at a young age to have economics as a class take, I think was super beneficial, but it was just, again, something I wish I would have just grasped a little bit more and by been taking it by the horns and used it. I don't feel like at the time I was super into property and that driven goal as well, I am now. You're, but, you know, we're way younger at that point. Priorities are very yeah, different. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> very different. Yeah. We were worried about band and sports and just other stuff. But yeah, those two definitely super helpful. Will teach you a lot. Basic understanding of how it works and then flow with the economy, rise and fall, all that good stuff. I feel like they should incorporate much more light oriented classes in schools for sure not they call that critical tangent. thinking and then everyone yeah. shit on it that's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true it's true so it, i'd love to dive into this a little bit i find it interesting that because i share your sentiment there's very little that we learn about the real world so to speak while we're in high <laughs> school but another half of me can't help but remind myself that i probably like i don't think i gave a shit during that time because from 14 to 18, your worldview is so small. Like, you don't know very much. Maybe that's not true for every single 14 to 18 year old, but there's so little about what you've experienced because you've only been on the planet for such a little time that you don't realize why that this kind of stuff could be important. You don't realize that, oh, maybe I should have paid attention in, in economics because now I could use it to strategize more effectively. Here I am at 26, ordering micro and macro economics 101 books. I know so little that it makes me want to learn about it. Quick shout out on the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to The Steady Compass. You can catch this on video format on YouTube.com. Be sure to check that out, show a little bit of love, and also give us a little bit of love on Twitter at Quest XYZ, Q-U-E-Z-T-X-Y-Z. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us. Stevie, I want to get back to you, man, just because I think this is critical here. The last thing you mentioned on your biggest goals was yourself. And I liked how your first example was even after a long day having a beer. Did you know that Arnold Schwarzenegger, after he was done with his workouts, he would also drink a beer after every workout. And I didn't, for a long time, I didn't take you as a beer guy. And I know this may not seem very drastic to our audience. But I have to know, what beer are you drinking these days? Nice. I feel like that term was definitely like a uh, like a saying or a term of phrase more than actually a beer. But if I am drinking a beer, I would definitely say I'm going with the classic um, Heineken Corona. I definitely do enjoy other beers like Good Blue Moon or... Stella's good. No, I'm just like... Yeah, Stella's good. I just, I like trying new things. I just know I don't like domestic. That's one thing I just know. I like trying new things, IPA, hoppy beers, things like that, craft beers, just anything. I'll try some new stuff, but just don't give me American beer, man. That's just insulting. It doesn't hit. It doesn't hit the way it should. At least like the big domestic brands, they don't hit like they should. It's baffling to me how they're worth so much money when the product is just objectively yeah. not good yeah <laughs> but 
whatever, conversation for another time. Because what I'm more interested in is what are the things that you're doing to invest in yourself? What are the things that help you feel more you? Tell me how Stevie gets into Stevie mode. Most definitely, I'm going to be spending some time with my loved ones, whether it be friends, family, significant other, my dog, literally anything. I would say another one up there is the yeah, is I would definitely say traveling is up there for me. New experiences more than anything. You don't necessarily always have to travel across the world to experience something new, but new experiences is definitely up there for me, whether it be new escape room with the family or like I said, going across the world with, with some good people, at least for that. And then recently I was actually told I'm, I'm an angry person and, and I can understand that sometimes like I can be a little hot headed, but as a generally speaking, I don't feel like an angry person and it hurts like when either someone tells you that, or just not even so much, you're just angry specifically, but just if someone were to tell you on a, like somewhat on and off constant basis that you are something that you do not feel, whether it be ugly, stupid, angry, sad, depressed, anything. I feel like putting that label on somebody and telling them that's how they feel without asking someone that if that's how they feel. So we definitely could do some more harm than good. And at least in my mentality, if you feel like I'm angry, I have either one or two ways to think about this. Either think I'm angry or show you at what anger looks like. And of course, both just so you don't get it confused either. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. You don't get it confused, but clearly both of those are not healthy. It's either. not a healthy response. Um, so regardless of whether I feel like I'm angry person or not, these are things that I just have to address, especially since taking care of myself does relate with the, with my number one, which is keeping up with my connection. So if I'm not taking care of myself and I'm damaging those connections and then, and it's just not good. Like I said, for whatever that means, whether it be just taking a deep breath, having a quote unquote beer, going on vacation or whatever the case may be, I'm just trying to be a better person for me and for the people around me. You said a lot of really profound things that I want to unpack real quick. I'll start off by saying that I share your viewpoint on getting better, on taking care of ourselves so that we may take care of others. I think that's the thing that a lot of people get wrong is, oh, like I have to water all my plants first and then I'll water myself. And that's usually how the plants die because one day you just get tired and now you can't take care of the plants. So I share your sentiment that taking care of yourself is most critical. I want to dive back into being told that you were perceived as an angry person. Presumably this was, this was by someone close to you. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And if I may ask, was this after an altercation of sorts or was this just out of the blue? Hey, I think you're an angry person. How was that presented um, to you, that information? Not to say that it wasn't after an altercation. However, it wasn't immediately after an altercation. This would be in an instance where let's say you and I got into an argument and this is on Monday. And then on Friday, we're just like, hey, listen, man, we're just re-going over everything. And I just wanted to let you know, this is what I see. And like I said, it's not the first time somebody has put a label on me, whether it be somebody close to me or not. And it makes you want to reflect, not to say that I necessarily always care about people, what they say about me, but at the same time, I was always taught something, especially derived from the military perspective is everything. Back. So whether it be your perspective or somebody else's perspective, that perspective does mean something because 
if you envision yourself one way and you have the mentality of, oh, I don't care about what other people think, then you can't really be a part of society because then you're basically shunning society from you or you're shunning yourself from society. So again, not to say you have to take everything by heart, not to say everything that people say is true, but to an extent, you have to be honest with yourself and at least question it to an extent, because if one person sees you in this way, whether they're angry or not, or disgruntled or not, or they're just purely spiteful or not, someone else in this world is going to see you that way, whether it be a loved one, a stranger, a boss, a friend, or whatever the case may be. And these are the kinds of ways that I try to think about it. So even though I know I'm not an angry person, and I generally try to be as uplifting as possible. When people say these things about me, it does tend for me to reflect. So at least like in that regard, I just try to take it at face value and just try to be like, hey, listen, if this person feels like I'm angry, maybe it's not angry in general, maybe it's just to them, or maybe it's just because of the situation, but it's something that I need to adjust. What are some of the things you immediately reflected upon after this instance where you were told, and maybe not just by this individual, that they perceive you as an angry person? What kind of reflections came from that when i think about something like this the only reflection is i try not to gaslight them or argue with them because again that's how they perceive things i can't discredit someone off of their worldviews and how they interpret something just if it were to happen to me and someone were to gaslight me on how i'm feeling then clearly then it just doesn't work out either way it's very difficult to do in the moment by the way very difficult because you, you have so your I, feelings too. Yes, yes. And again, it's something I just try to, it, it, the art of the calm and the art of the breath, as my profound brethren has told me, it's just something that I'm just trying to indoctrinate a lot more just because of the fact that I do jump at the gun a little bit. I know that about myself. I do I have a knee-jerk reaction. I like to just get up and move, get up and go, whether it be a good thing or a bad thing. But I just need to take a breath and just fully digest everything that's been said in the situation in and of itself to understand if I should react, how to react, if I shouldn't react at all. There's such a... Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was going to say, yeah, I feel like that's the only way I can treat that situation. If I turn it into another, oh, you're just attacking me, then it's just not going to go well. There's a sense of serenity I get from listening to you speak about the art of the breath, the art of keeping your calm. And I say this because it seems like most people will act on their emotions. I found that most people are quick to let the emotion control them. And uh, it could be a plethora of things. It's not just about who's angry or upset or disgruntled. Sometimes it's also sadness or fear, our worries or projecting our worries onto other people, right? So that's what I mean by the emotion controlling you. It's no longer, it's no longer you assessing why that feeling came about or perhaps why you let the feeling take control. It's more so I see what's going on here. I'm going to let myself feel this and then I will move from it. We'll take it, feel it, and then I will move on. So when I listen to you say that you're taking the art of the breath, it brings me great joy because I think it's so simple. It's so simple how meditation, for example, can ground you in a way that seemingly nothing else can. I've found, and you know this about me, and I've shared this with a lot of people, my relationship with my parents, for example. I love my family, and I know you know that, 
and I will never get tired of talking about how much I love him. But there are times where we, my buttons might get pushed. And I started, it, it took me to a position of asking myself, why am I letting myself get agitated by these things outside of me? Most of the things that happen to us are probably outside of our control. And that's a tremendous amount of things. But there are a few things that are in our control that if we become the master of them, nothing outside of us can affect us. And I think you have an idea of where I'm going with this is our reactions to stuff. So my question here to, to continue our conversation, did it hurt you to be called an angry person because it was reflective of an inability to control reactions or did it just hurt because, wow, I really don't, I just don't resonate with that. I don't identify as that kind of person. Which of the two did you feel it, it sways into more? Is it a mix of both? What do you think? I definitely think it's a mix of both. I would definitely more probably be in favor of the fact that it's not something that I like agree with or it's indicative of what I think I am as a person. And I also think it's slightly unfair, but of course the world's unfair to label somebody or dictate somebody's personality by, let's just say a sour moment. Cause I can understand if this was a daily behavior, something that happens very often, but it's not something that I would say that I'm angry every day. Of course, people, things happen. Somebody cuts you off on the way to work or but it can be like, you get upset, you get frustrated, but angry to it at a point, not about angry, clearly agitated, like, you know, annoyed, yeah, agitated, annoyed. Small. Like you, you tell them to go ask themselves and call the day and then nurse that person again and you get over it. But I just, I just didn't feel like by you putting that, I guess we, yeah, we did have a situation that we just didn't see eye to eye. And because of that, now you want to call me the person. So and again, like I said. I'm not trying to gaslight anybody. I'm not trying to devaluate their perspective of what they're seeing. I'm just, I just don't think that's necessarily indicative or a fair judgment because just like anything else in life, or if it was like a, a social experiment, you're going to take a hundred people. You're not going to just take one experience one time. You're going to try to take as many experiences from as many different people and see what's a controlled medium, regular, what is a basis for that crowd. So what's the correlation or yeah. the overarching consensus of all of these? We studied a million people and we found that out of 70% of them, such yeah. and such was the observation. Whereas yeah. to what you're saying, one person, come on, dude, that's... Yeah, because like I know you, Christian, and I feel like in your life you've had a bad day, but it shouldn't be indicative of your person in general because you had out of let's just say the thousand days you've been alive, and even when but the thousand are days you calling you've me old? Nice, that's actually extremely young. What are you talking about? Four years old, not even. So out of the thousand days you've been alive, let's just say yeah, ten of those days, or even like fifty of those days, are just not your best days, and you just your attitude maybe could have been better, or whatever the case may be. Like for you, for anybody to make a claim that those fifty of days of your worst days should be the way you're labeled in life. I'm gonna define you by these moments, by by the worst moments that I could remember. Fuck everything else. You know what's super brilliant about what you're saying? There's this famous talk or discussion that's had about goalies in soccer. And bear with mm -hmm. me, it might seem like a really odd thing, but good. goalies are criticized into oblivion, criticized for all of the mistakes they make. 
or the saves that they failed to make, the goals that they let in. But no one talks about the saves, the many more saves that they do make. They only remember those bad instances. So is yep. it fair to look at this championship goalkeeper, someone who's a world-class goalkeeper, and say, ah, well, no, they're terrible because of this event in the World Cup 2010 such and such game against such and such like that was their defining moment and that's how they will be pictured for for the rest of time i don't think that's reflective hell even if it was just in the to simply say someone like because they were a goalkeeper to say that is the indicator for what makes them a great or bad human being morally objective however people want to look at it i'm i try not to judge anyone but to say oh man like they're a pro therefore they're a good person that's also not in line so it's always interesting how people will remember us in versions of ourselves. And yeah, it's probably easy for you to recall a time when you saw me at a moment where you didn't like me all that much. But are you just going to shoo away the many other instances where maybe I went above and beyond for you? We had very deep, meaningful interactions with one another, impact that we made together on other people. I agree with you. And I hear where it's difficult to draw this line between your perspective is valid. I understand why you're saying that, but I will not allow you to label me or define me in any way. So where I want to tie this to is self-control. And that's because I struggled with it for a long time. I would be very quick to blame anyone except myself. I'll be very quick to say the reason I couldn't do it was such and such. The reason that I reacted this way was because of this and this and it probably it wasn't maybe into like my early mid-20s that I discovered stoicism and what I mean I'm not going to get into a super deep philosophical talk here but I would argue that the entirety of our life the quality of it is dictated by our ability to control ourselves and control our reactions to things way more than the things that happen to us. I have a running challenge. Like I basically instilled it at the end of last year into this year. And it was uh, to make my happiness every day, to make my happiness. And what do I mean by that? I know there's shit that's gonna piss me off. Maybe not piss me off. I'm not gonna give things that much power, but I know there's things that will happen that will sway me from the way I wanna feel or the way I'd like to feel, but Those things are not in my control. What's in my control is how I react to it. So when I make my happiness, it's when I can recognize, ooh, I could have let that control me, but I didn't. I took the high road today and celebrating those things. And that to me is a mark of happiness because I could have went back to my habits of blowing up, being angry, yelling. Hilariously enough, I used to have anger management issues when I was very young. I was very quick to get into fights with people when I was a child. And it wasn't until I went to Taekwondo where I learned a lot about self-discipline, many lessons that I still keep to myself today, but more importantly, reinforced once I had gotten into stoicism. So that person, their feelings about you being angry are totally valid. And that is their view. That is their perspective. But you have the choice and really the gift of accepting whether that's true or not. And I think exactly how you put it is the way it should be is I will not let you label me based on 
the sour moments that you've experienced because I know who I am. And at least when I look at you, I know who you are. And I'm still learning new things about you all the time, which I think is great. I think that's what makes for a good relationship between people because there's just so much to know about everyone. I, I, hell, at least the people in your circle. But yeah, man, like, what do you think? How would you argue that maybe I realize that I've been going on a tangent here for a little bit, but bear with me. It's all coming together. Is it about self-control or is it about letting other people have the power over us and letting them define us the way they see fit? Do we define ourselves or do we let others define ourselves? We absolutely are defining ourselves. We don't let anybody else have that much power over us, whether it's in definition or in anything. It, it is the goal of anybody to take everything at face value and take everything with a grain of salt. Because like I said, if there is that person's perspective, there's going to be somebody else that thinks that same way as well. But you shouldn't let it harbor you in any way. You should also look at it and see if there's any type of reflection that you could do to be a better person and a better you. But by no means should you, if you feel like it's not something that could benefit you or it doesn't identify as you, then it's not something that you should consider yourself with. I had a uh, old mentor of mine, an incredible human being as well, Faradun. He used to say, feedback is a gift. He would specifically say that most of it's going to be opinions, but it's all a gift because it's someone's perception. And I love how you put it, right? You take things with a grain of salt and you pick up the things that you do, that you agree with probably, right? Like, you know what? I think they have a point there. Maybe I should tweak in this way. And then the other things that you don't, that's your view. That's your opinion. So keep keeping a balance there. And again, a great way to do that. Huh? Right? A little journal action goes a long way. Long, long way. I have another question for you. We talked about defining moments and the way that we get defined. What has been one of the biggest defining moments in your life so far? That could be coming back from a tremendous challenge. That could be being faced with an extravagant fear, looking it dead in the eyes. It could be whatever you want. What has been a defining moment in your life? I would say some of my defining moments have been coming from times that I wasn't really expecting any lesson or expecting any type of trial or tribulation. I feel like one of the most common for people is, is patching somebody close unexpectedly, whether it be family, friends, whatever the case might be. I feel like those are always, at least for me, like a very significant defining moment. I haven't lost somebody in some time besides my uncle and my grandpa, actually. And those two were the most recent losses that I've had in some time. And looking back at those, I, I just, they broke me up, of course. That's my uncle and my grandpa and uh, God bless them. Hope they're in a better place now. And but it just makes you just realize time is fleeting, life's moving on. Try to do whatever you can in that day. Just try to really just make your time worth it. Make your time worth it and be in the moment. Present. Be present. Yes. Seneca, another wonderful Stoic philosopher, talks about how nature is fleeting. All of life is fleeting. And I love your word choice of how time is fleeting because he would also agree with you on that. There is no other moment that exists except this moment that we have right here, right now. And I'll share with you a story over the Christmas, the holiday break, I guess you could call it, was connecting with some family members that I haven't seen in a long time. We're all just sitting in the living room chatting up. And I realized halfway through that maybe 10 or 15 minutes, I'd just looked down and been on my phone, aimlessly wandering, scrolling, not really participating. And I said, this is me neglecting being present. 
This is me thinking that there's something else for me elsewhere other than right here. So I'm curious, tell me about one of the, tell me about a moment in your life where you felt very there. One of your favorite moments that you look back, favorite experiences, you name it. I already have one between both of us, but I'll save that for another time. I don't know. I feel like whenever family, friends, Catherine, anybody, like we go on a vacation, I feel like I don't really remember me just being on my phone over really often. I don't remember people not talking, enjoying. I know, what was it? My parents used to, like my aunts and my uncles and my parents, when we used to live back in Naples, we used to do a, a family dinner night. And pretty much we would make, not like just like a regular dinner, we would actually make a themed like night. So we'd have Jamaican, Spanish, just different types of ethnic dishes and everything. But you, every single family would bring a dish or two. And then you would basically just have this once a month that all of us would just be in one person's house or another. You'd have homemade cooked food from different part of the world, even though we're all Spanish. And we'd be chopping it up. You got the adults outside drinking and talking. You got the young kids on the side, inside playing. You got the teenagers talking and whatnot. And yeah, actually, that was always like a really good time um, where I just, I don't remember just ever being on my phone or just like being distracted or feeling distracted or I just felt like that was there. And when I was there, there wasn't really much else to think about or do, except for just hang out with the people inside the house. And that's all that really mattered were the people in that house. Going back to those first three priorities, we talked about connections. What are you doing every day in your day-to-day to maintain those connections, to really appreciate those connections? Damn, dude, not enough. Not even remotely close to enough, honestly. That's for you to decide, right? Yeah. If you're saying now that it's not enough, then like now you've made yourself aware of it to say, am I going to leave it this way or am I going to do something about it? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. What would you I, do about uh, it? Hey, I mean, for anything to come to fruition, I feel like you have to make conscious choice to, and make the effort to do it. Talk is cheap. Got to push into action. And like you said, it is like totally subjective as to what you feel like is worthy or not worthy of like your standards of that relationship because their relationship is different. Relationships are like flowers. Some flowers are super intensive. You need to water that flower. You need to take care of it. You need to make sure it's at 78 degrees Fahrenheit and a cloudy day. And then some relationships are like cactuses, man. Like they drink water once a month and they're good for half the year. Like they are good. They'll drink that water that you gave to them forever ago. They'll just keep tapping it. I feel like it is a perspective thing as always everything is and it's just to know your relationship whoever that is with and if you know that bond is strong and you guys have that connection where either you need to have constant like the connection always be talking always hitting people up or not then you just know how to play those strengths and define on that clearly you could always make a better effort to reach out more for sure and that's what i definitely wanted to do especially with people from new york i is Especially just because I just went up there to see my sister get married and whatnot. And I was, of course, seeing some family, all his uncles, grandpas, grandmas, cousins, things like that. I definitely have to talk to them and I definitely want to speak more. And I already have. I have already reached out to them and talked to them ever since I came back from New York. But just from there, I just want to continue maintaining, especially now. It's like a garden, man. I think you said it brilliantly. I use the analogy of flowers all the time. I love how you took it to cactus all the way to sunflower. You get it. And it's, and what I will invite you to do also is to be kind to yourself and saying, I know I could do better. I know I can improve. It's I'm good, but I will be better. That's the whole game of most, or at least in my view, I think 
that's a good way to to assess life is you've for all for everything we've ever done throughout our lifetime so far and we we've have not been on this planet for very long and i don't think even for the remainder of our life that will be on here for very long what's 100 years in the grand scheme of 10 billion or whatever True. for the time that we are here right we've done the best that we can with the information that we had with the emotions that we felt with the experiences that we've had with the circumstances we were like all of that was it led to us making decisions that were the best that we could do. It was the best. And for better or worse, it's what brought us to where we are here and now. The good news is that moving forward, it's all upside. It's like we can just continue to improve. It just takes a little bit of that mindful work. You said something in particular. I'm a big motherfucker on word choices. It's that. It's choices. It's conscious decisions that we make day in and day out. And it seems like the small little meaningless stuff, but it, that tends to be the things that we appreciate the most, the little things. So for example, I have a practice now where when I walk into the home, I'll say hi to the dogs, I'll wash my hands. And then immediately, rather than letting myself fall victim to, I have things to do, I can't talk to you. Yeah. I'm going to just 10 to 15, maybe even 30, depends on the conversation. Just, hey, mom, pop. How are you guys doing today? How was your day? Tell me about what you've done today and just dedicating that time to them. And even if commotions start brewing, just all good. You're right. Absolutely. I agree with you. You have a great, whatever. Just so that way I can have my fix of, I was there. I was with my family today. Or again, this is just one brief example that I'm doing in my own home, but I feel like this could be applied to anything. I think for someone who's trying to read a book, for example, it may seem daunting to say like, all right, tonight I'm going to read one chapter. You don't necessarily want to think about it that way. You want to think about it like I'm just going to read a page because reading a page is a little bit less of a commitment, so to speak. But by the time I read that first page, it's fuck, the paragraph's going on to the second. So I may as well read the second page. It's like, ah, I'm two pages in. May as well read it. Before you know it, you programmed yourself to say, I just have to get started. I just have to do that. I just have to make the choice. So I celebrate your viewpoint here because I think it's impactful. I think it's very important to be conscious of your decisions, to be conscious of what it is you want out of your relationships with your family, with your friends. And again, to take the accountability and say, I have a say in this. I have a say not in how people will receive my call to them, how they like whether they pick up, whether they'll be happy to talk. I, like I have no control of none of that shit. But damn it, I'll at least make the effort because I want to talk to them. And that's I think that's a good, it's a good source of soul, a good source of energy, of love that comes from within because we just bring it to life that way. So kudos to you, my friend. Stevie, one of the things that you said earlier that I don't know if I agreed with, I told you then, I'll tell you it again now, was that you considered yourself a semi-social anxiety kind of person. And the reason that I don't believe that is because you and I have a very long history of walking in anywhere and jamming out sure. instantly. Sure. Where does the social anxiety come from? What is it that's going on in your head? Again, it's more, I'm not with somebody. If I'm going out there, because there's been times in my life where I've either lived in Orlando, Lauderdale, even New York, when we are going out, I'm usually strutting my stuff solo. Everybody's either 
kicking it back. Nobody really wants to go out kind of thing. So I, I was starting my stuff solo. I like to dance. I like to go out there while I'm at a club or anything like that, dancing. I'm talking to somebody, trying to meet somebody that I can hang out with. Maybe just be consistent. You like to go to the same place. I like to go to the same place. Shoot, that's how I met with people up in Orlando. We used to go to the same club every Thursday night. It was ladies night. Kathy used to drink. We used to dance. We used to meet up with people, talk. And we'd see them every Thursday. It, it became a good thing. But I feel like... Maybe it's location. Maybe people are more friendlier and more loosely to be made friends because that was a college town. Whereas down here in Miami and in Fort Lauderdale, it's not so much that. People, like I said, people are coming out in their cliques. People are coming out with their couples. And that's the extent of who they're interacting with tonight. Let me ask, what are some of the green flags you're looking for when you're seeking new relationships, whether that be in business, personally, or hell, even just within the existing relationships that you have today, whether it be your best friends, your girl, et cetera, family, what are the green flags that stick out to you? What do you like? I feel like this is going to be a very female answer, but affirmation is super helpful. Affirmation in any respect. I feel like anybody could use affirmation. Nobody's a mind reader. Speak your mind, get it off your chest. In the situation of going out there and seeing the green flags, I'm going to look for people that are matching the same energy, people that are actually wanting to hold a conversation because just like i was saying before i don't want to feel like i'm forcing a conversation because i have no problem with having a conversation with somebody i do it all the time at work i'm talking to people whether it be about my job or off topically about football or whatever the case may be i don't mind talking to people it's just when you're not putting out the same invitational energy then it becomes more of a struggle and that's why i feel like i'm bothering people is because if, let's say if i say hey my name is steven just, just trying to meet new people i'm out here by myself just wanted to see, just hang out, whatever, what's your name, blah, blah, this and that. But they, instead of be like, oh, hey, what's up, man? Kind of thing. And it's more of uh okay. Oh, you know, cool story, bro. Yeah, cool. There's not much I can work with at that point. And not to say I that feel you that. take it a step further, because I feel like you're that person to take it a step further. I, on the other hand, just, I'm like. All right, then. <laughs> I'm going to out. Yo. Clearly, miss on you so i'm gonna just i'm not gonna continue about bothering you yeah sorry for interrupting your night but the first place i really because i had experienced that a few times here and there whether that was down here in florida and orlando whatever where i experienced it like never before like i was really taken aback by it was in dallas and uh, i can see that man i can 100 see that it was crazy it was so like People in Dallas were taught were they would look down on you as you're initiating a conversation and you don't you're not trying to bring me into a fifty million dollar deal. What are you? Why are you talking to me? And I'm the kind of guy I said it earlier, right? Like I, I've walked away from the small talk person, but you've seen me in action before. I will strike up conversation with any fucking body in any fucking place. And yo, I'll never forget. I was on a rooftop bar. I just moved to Dallas. I was like a month and a half, two months in. And this guy ordering drinks next to me. We're both waiting. Nothing's happening. No one's around us talking. And I'm just like, yo, like, I'm new here. What's up? And bro, the guy gave me the, the biggest. <laughs> what? Like, I'm not, I can't even acknowledge. Like, it, it cost me too much to even give you my breath. And he almost scoffed at me in a way, like audibly scoffed when I said, how are you? And uh, yeah, that was the first time I realized, wow, like 
some people are really going through it. That was my only takeaway from that whole interaction was like that guy is probably fighting some demons right now where even just by a stranger being asked, how are you doing? And maybe, I don't know, maybe I said it in, in a, in a really negative way. Maybe he thought I wanted something out of him. Or I don't fucking know. But yeah, that, that was the first time I learned that lesson of, okay, so some people just don't want to be spoken to. And if they do, it's maybe like some kind of game shit to it. I don't fucking know. I'm lost on that, but it's especially with the creation of technology too, man. Like people are out on their phones, they're distracted. I come up to you, you're here with your friends sitting in a circle, everybody's on their phones. And I, I come up to you, just you and I'm like, Hey, what's up, man? You're going to, you're going to stare at me, stare up at me blankly. And then if you're paying attention blankly, the rest of the people are going to look at me blankly. And then I have to now strike up a conversation with one six person, fucking people five six people are looking at me it's oh hey you know like, i was even just nice to meet you i'm new here just try to uh, say what's up they are gonna look at me like fucking like you just stage. got up on stage what is this guy about to tell you yeah, what does he want it's just it's more technology is the reason why i don't have success i feel like is because it's just we're all very fast-paced we're all purpose-based it's all single serving which is what can you do for me yeah, I, I found it to be reminiscent of what algorithms are. It's, bro, you go on TikTok or on YouTube, and those first few videos are exactly what you want to watch, or at least something in the ballpark of what you'd want to watch to be entertained. And seemingly, it maybe this is a negative way to look at it. It's just my observation so far. If you don't provide value to someone in the first three seconds that you speak with them physically irl they'll look at you blankly and say precisely that what are you trying to talk to me for i don't know it's uh, but i would argue that it's not just technology i think technology is speeding it up social media in particular is speeding yeah. it up such that the attention span is getting so much smaller and to hook somebody these days is like 30 seconds to a minute if that bro i feel like it's actually eight seconds or less probably and it's yeah yeah, attention span of a squirrel is a real thing. Sucks. But like the same thing existed. I've seen pictures of the older days where individuals just all had newspapers up. And I would argue it's the same thing with the phone. It's like people are just looking to escape from whatever's happening right now and be in their own little worlds, which, hey, we're not here to tell you that that's a problem. It's not a negative thing by doing that. But also pretending that the world isn't there either is also an issue. It's also unhealthy. It's also very unhealthy. And I would go as far as saying what technology these days is leading towards is lack of communication skills or just unrealistic approaches to interacting with one another. This could be a kind of deep topic, but fuck it. I'm actually kind of down to talk about it. So I have this notion that men are losing the ability to hit on women. To, for anyone to hit on anybody like to a point yes i will agree with you for to sure. a point i again like i'm not here to sound like the fucking victim or whatever like the, i'm just saying i think communication skills are suffering with the digital age you can connect with anybody anywhere and both positively and negatively be impacted by their responses their judgments their comments their likes there's just so many components to it but how crazy is it that the art of communicating, of connecting with another human being on a personal front has almost been, how about, uh, here's a better question. Ironically, digital has enabled communications with anybody. Yet. But it's also hindered it too. Exactly. This is how I feel. 
What do you think about that? I absolutely agree. Just like anything, I feel like when a picture was taken back in the day, it was something to be framed and enjoyed and just only cared about by the people seeing that photo. And that's all that mattered. Now we are seeking with social media, other people's approval. I was going to work for verification, basically just that, that validation. Validation. Thank you. That that is a good photo that you look good and whatever you're doing in that post is, it is light. It is, you're good to go. People post that and just like with dating now, I feel like that's been morphed because of the fact that we're, everything's online. People don't have to try. People can say no. People can deal with it vastly differently. Whereas before it was more, I meet you at a bar. I already got a feel for you kind of. We talked for a little bit, whether it was a traditional date or if I'm just grabbing your number, I've already met you. I already look, look at, know what you look like. I've met you. I have like somewhat of a grasp. I got a vibe, a small vibe from you. And then I always find out more, but with everything being fake filters, catfishes, everything in between, nobody can trust people online. And on top of that, everybody just thinks that people are out here for unsavory stuff which I feel like everybody just knows that not, they don't know that it's just for sex, but we all know we're trying to get busy at the same time. Like that's just not, it's not like a mystery. It's going to happen. It shouldn't be a secret. It really should, but it's become more of a cat and mouse game. It's just dating is so different, dude. It's so different. You can go up to somebody in person and be like, Hey, listen, like you're beautiful. Let's go out. And that will work. 30% 30% of the time, you know, like <laughs> that's like, crazy. I'm not saying there's not people out there, but most people are either don't want to be bothered, have a boyfriend or just literally just stick to nothing because it's better than the alternatives nowadays. Unfortunately, it is a rather bleak outlook, I think, because a part of me wants to say, oh, people are open to change. Surely a positive impact could be had where. If folks do want to go out, like, for example, you ever seen those speed dating venues? Sorry, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I was just over here busy. Yeah. No, you're good. I'm getting my charger. My bad. Yeah, I've been to, I've seen a couple of those. I've been on one with a friend in Orlando. There's just like mall support, but it's always, I feel like super successful, but at the same time, people have reservations. People go in with some. Um, you know, there's an expectation, which it shouldn't be. It's like going to a bar. You shouldn't really expect anything. If you're just looking for someone to talk to and meet up and have a build a connection with, but you shouldn't have any reservations. And I feel like that's what's stopping a lot of people is reservations and baggage and other stuff. People don't want to start with a clean slate. People always want to just keep carrying over and carrying over. You got to be able to let things go. It's also easier said than done. I feel like. In relationships, you definitely do have to let stuff go and be able to compromise. I can't really talk so much because I don't let things go, but it's only in the regard to things that I either struggle with myself, not so much like you, you did wrong to me and now I can't let that go. Usually it's something I did or I messed up and I, that usually like weighs on me for an absurd amount of time for no reason. You know, what's crazy is that's a weight that we throw up on ourselves when no one else is keeping that weight on you. No one's forcing you to reflect on that frequently. To your point, you should not walk into anything with expectations or reservations or an idea about how something should turn out. But realistically, like 
you also shouldn't enter most of these things with the weight of yesterday. I'll share with you a great quote. I literally have it right next to my bed because sometimes I have a hard time letting things go. Like I'll beat myself up over stuff like this. And it reads, finish each day and be done with it. You have done what you could. Some blunders and absurdities have crept in. Forget them as soon as you can. Tomorrow is a new day. You shall begin it serenely and with too high a spirit to be encumbered with your old nonsense. Emerson. This is nice. a, an awesome gift that I got some time ago. Who is Emerson? No idea. <laughs> to be honest, could it yeah. come from a homeless person on the street and spit a bar. He spit a bar. He spit a bar. Yeah, he could be homeless if he wants. It that does not change the fact that he said some shit on that one. <laughs> I, uh, you can learn something from anybody. Amen. One thing I want to turn this back to real quick, because I said earlier that one of the green flags that you look for is affirmations. I've been working on saying affirmations to myself. Do you say affirmations to yourself? Not as much as I probably did. I feel like the only things that I tell myself is the things that I, like I said, reflect on myself that I haven't done exactly as planned. And I just try to instill in myself like, hey, listen, this is what went wrong. This is what you got to change. This is what we got to do better. So that way this doesn't happen. And those are the things that I usually think about. Are you so, nice to yourself? I try to be, but I know it's usually not about a nice situation. It's not like I beat myself up to a point, but I don't let myself forget about it either. I could equate that to beating yourself up about it, not forgetting about it. Another perspective, but yeah. Another perspective, right. indeed. Yeah. I don't know that I'm right. I'm just speaking out loud here, brother, man. That's no, for all. sure, for sure. No, you're good. Like I said, man, it's, it's yeah, it's just, uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I think about it in the same way as if you forget about the past, you're like, you're doomed to repeat it. Or something like that. I'm pretty sure somebody told me that in history class or something, something about that in the government. And, uh, right, we study yeah. it. That's why yeah. we study history. There's another great quote about it where it's like, in order to know where we are going, we must know where we've come from. Sure. This is why I think for most men out there, because I feel like maybe a percentage of gentlemen are doing this, but to write down your thoughts and reflect on them, I think is one of the most liberating things you could do for yourself because it's acknowledgement of the self. It's acknowledgement of, okay, I've been feeling pretty shitty about this thing that I did four years ago, and I'm not proud of it, and I don't like the outcome of it. I don't like how I made other people feel, whatever it is. But the point is that if you're so brutally honest about it and really let it out onto the page, it becomes a more solidified path to walk where at the end of that path, you can let it go. Because you said all that you needed to say about it. And the best part, bro, is look. The book is closed, and the only person that it has to open up to is yourself. So, yeah, that's here on the show of the next level up. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, we have just hit a level up. Yes, that is where we recognize an opportunity for growth. And I think one of the things as Stevie's best friend, brother, literally man in arms, again, we say this to each other all the time, we've taken over empires before. In past lives, in future lives, we've set up new ones. And that's why I call you my dynamic duo. My challenge to you is a book. It's a fuck, not just a book, a little journal, yeah. something, a little something. It doesn't have to be anything crazy. I literally got this for free at an event. That's why I use it. 
Yeah. So that, and then a book that I'll recommend that I recommend very often on this show. If you're a regular listener here of this study compass and you are probably tired of listening to me talk about this, but I don't care. Maybe you appreciate it too. But ladies and gentlemen, if you're watching on video format, you'll see that I'm recommending Marcus Aurelius Meditations. This is a gentleman who was the most powerful man in the world 2,000 years ago. And he writes to himself about the challenge of being better, of how to be a better person, of what to expect from oneself to be better. And it's amazing how someone who was the emperor of Rome at one of its peak moments in history was having so many reflections, the same kind of reflections that we ask ourselves. Things around procrastination, managing ourselves, wanting to chase after our dreams, understanding what our nature is. A lot of really insightful stuff in here. And Stevie, because you are one of my favorite people in the entire world, I will tell you, I think you should get this book. It's brilliant. I'm literally rereading it because of how great it is. I think every time you pick it up, you learn something new from it. But with that being said, Stevie, we have hit what I think is the longest episode I've had so far, which I knew going in we were probably going to do, but I'm cool with it. People don't like the two hours, then they can suck my nuts. Respect. I love you guys. I really do. If you're listening, I love you guys tremendously, but I wanted this to go on for a bit. This is the part of the show where I put the mic in the hands of my guests and I give you the opportunity to put in a plug, give a shout out, show some love, send a bit of advice, whatever you'd like. The floor is all yours. First, I would love to shout out my boy Quez over here. Mr. Quest, this man is literally, I just speak this every single time I try to just even describe the man and what he means to me as a person. It's just beyond words. I feel like everybody watching him knows where I'm coming from. So I feel like I shouldn't have to say anything more than that. But so you already know his socials, hit him up. He is the best. He'll give you plenty of information, talk you off, NFT, Web3, everything you've got it going on right there. Shout out to Kathy. My life has always got my back. So I always appreciate her. Shout out to her. She'll probably see this either in a couple of days. I'm not sure when this will post, but I know she watches the other podcasts, the other shows. She's always asking for this one. So I know she'll be watching this one and whatnot. But besides that, always shout out to uh, your family, mine, all the loved ones, anybody that's watching that I know. Shout out to you. I love y'all. Love being on the, the podcast and interviewing me. I am completely honored. I, I wasn't expecting it, but always appreciate you being on. And like I said, I was a little bit nervous moving into it just because it's my friend's podcast. I, I don't want to embarrass you or nothing, but it's a pleasure being on here. Hey, man, I'll tell you what, this right now is just a digital experience. My my real, a big goal I have for this year, and I, because I've been writing stuff down, I've been doing my affirmations, doing all that shit, bro. I'm in the year of my greatest ever. I will be my greatest ever this year. I'm the most fit I've yes, ever sir. been, the most money I've ever made, the healthy, everything. My relationships will be the most fruitful, all of them, right? I'm not speaking all of this. I'm telling you, the next episode that you and I do together will be IRL. In the yes, studio, sir. in a proper studio, yes, we have a nice little okay. view. Okay, so trust me, it's piece by piece. That's all. It's a step by step. It's a long journey, and uh, I think you know this. You're like the person I consult with very frequently, especially when I feel like my head's all over the place. I feel like you've always done a really good job of just listening and then saying, "Hey, stop eating shit." <laughs> Not shit. <laughs> yeah, it's 
It's not that deep. You got this. And it's it means a lot. So I appreciate you. Ladies and gentlemen, with that being said, this has been another episode of The Steady Compass. You can catch it on every single streaming platform that you love and adore. If you want to catch the video format, be sure to do so on YouTube at Quest TSC or just search The Steady Compass. You'll see us right there. You find us anywhere on the socials, okay? Share it with your mama, with your pops, your abuelo. Share it with everyone that has a social media account, okay? Because we need these clips to go around and around. We're going to be having a lot of clips from this session because fucking two hours, we killed it on this one. And then, of course, as for our guest, ladies and gentlemen, you can catch everything regarding Stevie at his socials down in the description or in the podcast notes, depending on where you're listening. Be sure to give him a follow. Be sure to stay connected. He is an incredible wealth of information, as well as just a very kind and sincere human. Again, I'm very fortunate to have in my life, and I think it would be cool if you had him in your life, too. So with that being said, this has been another episode of The Steady Compass. We'll see you on the next one. Take care and much love. Peace.